Welcome to a special edition of the Vandy Sports Podcast. And if you're wondering why we are doing two podcasts with George Plaster on this Tuesday, well, it's because we did one this morning and the day completely changed in the middle of it with Vanderbilt's announcement of the resignation of Malcolm Turner and the hire of Candace Lee as interim athletic director. So to talk about that, George will return to us tonight. This episode presented by Wellspire Nationals Learning and Development Center. Wellspire offers personal and professional development opportunities in a beautiful facility in the Gulch neighborhood. Stop by for an event with world-renowned speakers or host an off-site event that will wow your team or your clients. We also thank the Well Coffee House, which turns coffee into water and has a mission to bring clean water to the world. The news of this change is brought to you by Sutherland & Belk, a Nashville-based injury law firm. Sutherland & Belk is committed to fighting for those who have been injured in car, motorcycle, and truck accidents. Check them out at sbinjurylaw.com. This changing of the guard edition also presented by our friends at Bowling Branch, Scott and Missy Tannen make a great product, which I have slept on for years. Had no clue how comfortable it could be until I got it. Bowl and Branch sheets are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to bowlandbranch.com. That's spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code Vandy and get $50 off your first set of sheets. George Plaster joins us for an emergency edition of the Vandy Sports Podcast. George, this is a podcast first. I've never done two podcasts in the same day with the same person, but here we are for good reason. Thank you for joining me. Absolutely, but I'll say this. If I was going to pick somebody to do two of these with in one day, it would not be me. (laughs) Well, this is where we are, and I want to give you a sincere thank you. Because, well, and it's not just for that. There are not a lot of people that know what it's like to really walk through this beat. Uh, You probably know it better than anybody I know alive. I mean, I say that. There are people like Adam Sparks, Jeff Lockridge who've been very good. But what I mean by that is you've done this for a long time and seen a lot of crazy stuff. And you and I have spent a lot of time talking the last few weeks and comparing notes off air, and you have been a tremendous help to me um, as I've been able to bounce things off you that I knew, and okay, what do I do with this, and the things that come with that and a story like that, and I have to say, I feel like God blessed me with your friendship at this time because I don't know what I would have done without somebody like you who'd kind of been there and done that and know what that's like. And there just aren't many people who've been in those shoes. So I thank you sincerely from the bottom of my heart, because I think this would have been a lot tougher to do and report on. And we've talked about it on the podcast. I've also written a lot on our board, but I just don't know that I could have done this without you being around. Well, you're really nice to say that. Um, this has been a crazy story and both of us uh, through different avenues about two, three weeks ago started to feel like something like this was going to happen. And um, now I didn't think it was going to happen today. I thought we were 45 to 60 days away from something like this, but 
the bottom line was we were both hearing that there seemed to be kind of a clash uh, between interim chancellor and athletic director over how much money was being spent. And um, I think that, in essence, is what led to what happened today. Here was my day. You and I did the podcast this morning, and if you go back and listen to it, and I've not heard it again, I usually go back and listen to most of my podcasts in order to kind of make the show better and weed out what I like, what I don't do well, those sorts of things. I've not listened to it, but we both kind of just sat there going, okay, I think something big could happen, um, but we're not ready to talk about it yet, and um, it just was this uneasy thing that we did with no real place to land it. And like, not even an hour after we're done, the news drops. That's what was so bizarre was the timing of it all. Like I said earlier, I thought it would happen if it was going to happen sometime later in the spring. But, you know, however this went down, it went down today and the timing was kind of bizarre. It really was. Well, I had started to hear it was going to happen in the next two weeks. Um, I think that, honestly, when some of the stuff started getting out there, that probably expedited it a little bit. I, I mean, who knows? But I was literally, I had to run an air, and you and I did the podcast, I had to run an air, and I had to bring my wife something at work. And on the way, I got a phone call from somebody saying, hey, I think this thing might be pretty imminent, like maybe not today, but within the next few days, I hear it is going down. So I came home, mm-hmm. I'm literally writing a story that Malcolm Turner has been fired to have it ready for whenever, and you fill in the details later, but you have that in drafts so that you get it out there more quickly. Quite literally, when I'm in the middle of writing that story, which I should have done, and I regret not doing days ago, because it's not like we didn't see this coming at all. Uh, but anyway, that's it literally drops. I check my inbox, and an email comes to me literally as I'm right in the middle of writing that. And actually, before I published the story, I forgot to go back and changed. has been fired to resign, which was the line in the press release. But it just, again, the timing was it was just so bizarre to be writing that story when the press release dropped. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what a crazy day, man. What was your world like on radio today? I mean, I know I was on your show a while, but the calls you got to show prep, I mean, I'm sure you made 10 gazillion phone calls beforehand. Uh, that well, had to be nuts on your end. What was funny was um, I was supposed to go meet with uh, a client uh, of the show and and did but told the client look here's what's going on you know and and for one day it was like I was popular any other time you know I'm probably begging for phone calls and today it was just a sea of them and um, you know (laughs) the stuff doesn't always happen when you want it to happen or when in your life, it's the easiest. Um, the show was wild. As you can imagine, it was wall to wall. Um, you know, the, the unanimous opinion is that this is not really anything to celebrate. You know, Vanderbilt's press release is a bunch of junk and nothing against Candace. Um, but 
this is not a celebration. This is an absolute mess. This thing, this athletic department is a complete mess. And while the university tried to put it out there that, oh, you know, it's a great moment. No, it isn't. It's just more of the, it's more of the embarrassment that has been going on. Now, you know, the fact that they can throw out there that she is the first African-American female athletic director in the SEC, that's nice. But the real story here is this athletic department's a total mess. Yeah, it is. And that's really kind of how I got on the story. I just felt like the more I dug in, I didn't get answers and somebody would say something, I'd look into something a little bit. I was like, this is really an absolute mess. And I don't know how they steer out of this anytime soon. And and by the way, it's, there's still some elements to this. I, I, I'll put it this way. I was working on another story this morning about something over there that's just unbelievable. And then this thing just ate my whole day away. I've got to find some time when I can breathe again to circle back to the other one, which again, I think is a product of this whole mess that's in front of us. But it is just, you're right. It was really weird now that I think about it. And look, I like Candace. A lot of people do. I don't know her well, but I know a lot of people that like her. I got a lot of texts that talked about how they're happy for her. She deserved that. And I'm sure that is all well and true. But to lead a press release with that was very odd. Well, it was, but that's what people are oftentimes paid to do is to to be spin doctors. And that's the way they chose to spin this. And, uh, you know, I'm, I guess, proud enough to say, you know, I went to school there and I have half a brain and I can see through all this BS. When you have private phone conversations with people that are connected with that school in the aftermath of all this, uh, and maybe you haven't had time to have a lot, but what are those like? Um, you know, I still think coming out of this that Malcolm Turner's a good man. Uh, he probably was a little overmatched, having never really been in the the college world. So I think there was a steep learning curve. You know, the, the bottom line to it is that when, when he got hired, Nick Zeppos gave him one set of marching orders and then Zeppos out of nowhere decides to leave. And all of a sudden by around Christmas, the marching orders are totally different. And the problem with that is he had put out for public consumption we're doing this big, um, you know, consultation with a firm to, to try to go figure out what are the best strategies for facilities. And all of a sudden, you know, he's being told something t- totally different. Now, yeah, and I would say that when you you're, when you work for a university, Or for that matter, if you're like I once was on a church parish council, you have to be good stewards of other people's money because that ultimately is what you're charged. That's the responsibility is to, if you're going to make decisions, you make them to the best of your ability and you make them as a good steward. 
And I think that's one of the lessons he will probably learn if he ever gets back into athletic administration is he'll have to do a better job of that. But frankly, so do some other people inside that university. You know, I've heard some of the extravagant stuff about Zeppos going away party. It's sickening. And and it, it indicates that they're going to talk about being good stewards of money, but when when they decide they want to go blow it out, they do. I could not agree more. I think it feels like this whole situation was just set up to eat itself, okay? And I don't agree with the stuff that Turner did with the spending the money. It was lavish. It was reckless. It was wasteful in a lot of things. And I don't think that's defensible. But you look at the environment that he walked into. You had a chancellor who was, I don't know if the hot seat is the right word, but had spent a lot of money for cost overruns for things. As he's leaving, he throws himself a party that involves nine speakers and 900 people and a cost estimated at a half million to a million dollars. And the word that, you know, the adjective, I think, gross was what was used in terms of some of the money that he spent. And it was perceived as wasteful, a lot in the way that Malcolm spent his. And so, again, I'm not defending it, but here's the picture. Malcolm walks into that. He's hired by a boss who's into that. That's the example that's right in front of him. Um, I'm not going to say it's bad that the rules change because the rules should have changed. The rules should have changed for Nick Zeppos. Uh, and some people think that hastened his departure. So the background that he walks into is important. He's apparently been given free reign to the checkbook. And again, that comes with some responsibility. But okay, once you get in the mess that he's in, he's never been an AD before. How is he going to continue to learn what to do and find out about plans? Well, a lot of times when you don't know something, you hire a consultant. So he gets to the spot where the only way out seems to be hiring more consultants and doing stuff like that. And again, I don't mean to oversimplify some of the other things and to, um, I guess, resolve him of culpability. That's not what I'm trying to do, but... When you walk into that situation, that's the background. You don't know what you're doing. That just seems like a situation that is set up to fail from the beginning. And there are a lot of little subplots along the way. He probably had no idea when he accepted the job that the Bryce Drew situation was going to reach the point where uh, a change might be needed. I think his biggest mistake uh, is twofold. A, Jerry Stackhouse didn't deserve a six-year contract. Now, maybe time will prove me wrong, and maybe that ends up being a good thing. But the fact of the matter is, Jerry Stackhouse didn't have a ton of job offers on the college level. It's almost like they were competing against themselves. He didn't need a six-year contract. Um, and the second thing is the ridiculous staff alignment that Stackhouse has. That, that is the silliest bunch of garbage, bunch, bunch of mess. Just read the different titles. I mean, how do you manage all those people? And so those are two things that Malcolm 
will have a hard time explaining away from his tenure here. Why did Jerry Stackhouse need six years, and why did you let him have this cockamamie staff alignment that you've got? It makes absolutely no sense. The problem with some of this is Aaron Neesmith's injury really was, like I said a couple of times on this, it's almost because nobody cared anymore about wins and losses for this year. It was, how is this going to get better? And, oh, by the way, they're not doing a lot of recruiting. And, you know, it's gotten out that Stackhouse, that's not, you know, his number one ambition in life to be a, a college basketball recruiter. But the problem is, if you're going to be a college basketball coach, it has to be. You don't have any choice. And at some point, he's going to have to reconcile that by either saying, okay, I'm going to commit myself to the level of recruiting effort that it'll take to turn this around, or number two, I don't have the stomach for this and I'm going to get out. Why do they keep anchoring themselves to coaches and their contracts where they don't apparently have a bidder? To, to bid against. In other, why, in other words, who was about to snag away Jerry Stackhouse? I think if he's going to leave for the NBA anyway, he's just going to leave, and it won't matter if they're paying him $1 million or $5 million. The thing that they did with Derek Mason, same thing. Now, I know that Mason had some feelers from Colorado when things started to go well at the end of 2018, but that and hiring him is kind of a different thing, and the, the Thought is that it's going to cost them or would have cost them around $15 million to move on from Mason, who's got, what, a 10 conference wins in six years? I just don't yeah, they're get saddled. They're saddled with some situations that don't make any sense. Well, and David Williams uh, made over a million dollars is AD. And I, I don't understand why they keep paying. It's weird. It's like on one hand – some parts of that athletic department can't find a pot to pee in. <laughs> and then they keep giving crazy money to people who frankly aren't very good at their jobs. Well, let, let me say one thing on, on where I've been. There's some things about Jerry Stackhouse. I'm impressed with, I'm impressed with uh, his X's and O's. I think he knows basketball. Um, his team, it'd be easy right now to just quit because they're not going to win a lot of games. And yet I see none of that in them. I see more fight than, than I would have imagined. Uh, in particular, a week ago, the way they played at Kentucky. And from what I hear, the players like him. So there's some things to like about Jerry Stackhouse. And it's possible that somewhere he kind of gets out of this hole that they're in right now, and maybe six years ends up being a good thing, although I don't see that. But it's not like he's a total zero, um, and I don't want it to come off sounding that way. I'm just saying that there was no reason to have to offer him a six-year contract. Uh, yeah. And on that, and on that, I'm right. Yeah, those are my sentiments exactly. And I think you can answer the question about Jerry Stackhouse – and whether it'll work here, if you can say, does he want to get out 
and recruit to the point where he will actually go out and do that very aggressively? I think if we know the answer to that question, we'll know whether it works or not. And I don't think there's any way yeah. around it. I don't I don't really see a different path there. Because I, I think if he does that and he gets great players, he's got a chance to do great things. I think if he doesn't do that and doesn't recruit, then I just don't think this is really going much of anywhere. My guess is that while we may never find this out officially, that there's been a mental tug of war going on for a while in Malcolm Turner's head about whether he's made the right move by coming here. Because I don't think there's any doubt based on some things he said that he was, you know, given a mandate to go out and make their facilities better, make them more competitive. And in the end, I'm not sure under an interim chancellor who was probably more worried about balancing the budget than anything Nick Zeppos had told Malcolm Turner, that the two clashed over philosophical stuff. And I don't guess they were able to resolve it. And the result is what we have today. Well, final thought before I've got to go. It's the vacuum of power that I keep looking at and saying they don't have a chancellor till what July the 1st. They have an interim athletic director. Um, I, I just look at that and go, and this all came against the backdrop of an interim chancellor and UAD. I just keep looking at that kind of vacuum at the top and wondering, okay, what challenges does that bring next? Well, you want me to be a real smart Alec? Might as well. Okay, look at look at some of the in the press release. You know, there are more crazy titles in here than I've ever seen. And I'm about to pull them up and read a couple of them to you, uh, which I know you breathlessly await. Um, well, it would help if my computer would do what I'm asking it to do. Doesn't look like it will. Is, uh, have you got yours on that site? Are you? Yes. I, are you looking for Vanderbilt's press release? Lead to lead Vanderbilt athlete. I mean, there are more titles in here. You know, Malcolm Turner had about four different titles. Um, vice president of this, that, and the other. And all. just call him an athletic director and be done with it. I mean, how many titles do you need? You get a title. You get a title. Okay. <laughs> Let, hold on here. Um, the university accepted Turner's resignation as vice chancellor for athletics and university affairs and athletic director. Really? Why do you need all that crap? Yeah. It's just an athletic director. Well, higher ed. It's a different world. Oh, it's definitely a different world. And that's that's what I go back to as we end this. The hire went against everything that was supposed to be in the qualifications to begin with. Somebody who knew what it was worth to to work and what it was like to work inside a situation like Vanderbilt, private school, those sort of things. He checked none of the boxes. Yeah, I mean, that said, I think he's a good man, and uh, I wish him a lot of luck in whatever it is he does in the future. But this, this athletic department is a mess. 
Yeah, agreed. I, I wish him a lot of luck. I never had a crossword with the guy. I didn't know him that well. Uh, was always nice to me when he was around. Um, had an easy smile, a laugh. I thought he was relatable. Um, it The public Malcolm Turner that I met did not square with the one that I guess people experienced because he just didn't seem to be that close to anybody, and that's what I never got. Yeah. With that, I will end. George, thank you for joining the show today, and tell people where they can find yours. Um, 560 WNSR on the AM dial and uh, 95.9 on FM, and you can reach me on Twitter, shockingly, at George Plaster TN. He's George Plaster. I'm Chris Lee, host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. We appreciate you listening. We've got more episodes coming your way later in the week.